0: You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 41 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And as always, joining me for um, these 30 minutes of looking at the narrative of the Bible are Matt and Nathan Van Horn. I'm so glad you guys are joining me today. And listener, I'm glad that you are joining us today. And as always, I want to remind you that if you're not subscribed to the podcast, it means that you're not getting notifications when we are releasing new episodes of the podcast every Tuesday morning. So if you're on Spotify, hit like, if you're on iTunes, hit subscribe. And if you're on some other kind of weirdo third party platform, I won't judge you, but do whatever that equivalent is on that platform. And we can continue to spread the podcast even farther. Um, You can always change your mind if you get tired of us, but I think that if you've stuck with us to episode 41, uh, you're in it for the long haul. And if there's there's anything, I was going to say, if
1: there's anything we know about the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast, it's going to be a long haul.
2: (laughs) Hey, we've recently, actually, each of us have gotten some positive feedback. And let me define positive. Positive, not just in the sense of, hey, we like it. You're doing a good job. Of course, things like that are always encouraging. But some of the things that have encouraged me the most are when people tell me, "Hey, I, I'm not sure if I a- agree with you, but I love listening." And, and Nathan, you even said you had one guy uh, to say that he likes to argue with us in the car, like talking through it and stuff like that when he's listening. But so he likes to argue. That, he likes to argue with me in general. So. Oh, okay. (laughs) I gotcha. But hey, this is meant to be a conversation. Uh, Right now I'm preparing a a study on Romans for this fall. And one of the things that I'm looking at is the setting of how Romans was originally given was probably in a house church setting would have been rather conversational. Uh, So that's what this is meant to be. It's meant to be a conversation. So thank you all for sticking with us for 41... 41. Matt,
1: that's that's so unfortunate. This has nothing to do with the po- uh, podcast, but I contemplated teaching Romans in the
2: spring, uh, and so now everyone's going to accuse me of ripping off your notes. Oh, well, you you can't steal my cool title. Uh, so I, I gave it gave it to Gandalf. Uh, it it here is recently. pretty good. <laughs> So so here it is. When in Romans, read as the Romans do. Nice. So nice. Do you like that? <laughs> that was pretty good. My my, my title so. was like Romans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a commentary by nathan uh, van orne uh, lord have mercy <laughs> all right well speaking of the long haul um oh uh, nice segue hap- yeah the flood will never happen again but this podcast will continue every tuesday so please subscribe mm-hmm. um <laughs> where, where are we going today
2: we're going to wrap up chapter eight i believe if that's yep. right yes chapter eight verses 20 through the end of the chapter
1: we, we say that it it's like, it's like three <laughs> verses. I love, I love, how, we, we used to, we used to apologize for short verse spans. Now we just sidestep that issue and like, oh, we're covering the rest of the chapter.
2: It's three verses. Mm. Yes. So. Yes.
0: Well, you know, I, I've been looking a little bit ahead. I've been cheating in, in this book club. Um, I've, and I've gotten to chapter 10 and I thought I was safe after the genealogies of reading the hard things, but in my own self interest, after seeing chapter ten, I'm going to read today so that I can time it, yes, so, so that I don't have to. Read, I don't have to read chapter ten. That's that's cute of you. We all know who's reading chapter ten.
1: <laughs> that's right. It was it was always
0: going to be Nathan. Oh, love it! Love all right, it. all right. Well, that being said, this is Genesis chapter eight, as always, from the ESV, uh, starting in verse twenty. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, sea time, harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, Shall not cease. Very good, sir. Just just right off the bat, a couple of things jump out at me. Um, One of them probably not that important, but the other one probably majorly important. I have never picked up on the fact that the offering that that Noah gave was of like every single animal ever. Yeah, like every clean animal. <laughs> every I, clean. <laughs> I all, like I, I've always pictured like in the in my children's, you know, my children's like storybook Bible my parents gave me. It's always like you know like one lamb or something. But this apparently yeah. was like good catch. It you know, was big.
2: So speaking of those tr- storybook Bibles, there was one that was rather influential in my life. The, it was just called the Picture Bible, and it was put together like a comic book. And I remember winning it at children's church when I memorized Psalm one hundred they awarded me a, a picture Bible. Uh, we were up recently with my family because my grandfather passed away. And the that picture Bible is still at my parents' house. And I looked at it and I saw in this picture Bible, you have Noah standing in front of a small altar offering a lamb. And there so I, I just looked at this. So when it, it's when there. It,
1: It's funny because we're always talking about ancient Near Eastern context on this podcast uh, when really last episode and this episode, it's taken a very Americana flavor because like, you know, last week we talked about the art being a convertible uh, and now the sacrifice is not a meager (laughs) lamb. It's like a neighborhood block party barbecue. I mean, this is a massive amount of meat, right?
2: Mm. Yes.
0: Uh, Noah was the first Baptist because this was the you know the initial potluck. Also right. the in the in the Ch- picture Ch- Bible. Chickens every, are among everybody the is birds, a white right? European.
2: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, in the chicken? picture Bible, everybody is of white European descent, even the Egyptians. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so, uh, so So, so long I, um, as, so
1: long as chickens are among the clean birds, I'm okay.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's that thank goodness. Yes. Um but also talking about the the context something jumps another thing jumps out at me and it's talking about the Lord smelling the pleasing aroma. Oh, I'm so like, glad you mentioned thing. that. I'm
1: so glad like, you mentioned it's that. it's so
0: weird to me to think of like one. It's weird to like think of God like enjoying the smell of something that's not really something that jumps out at me about God's experience of offerings, but also like, that's the thing that he got out of it. Like he liked how it smells and was like, you know what, mankind, you're all right. Yeah.
1: Well, I, it, and, I, and I, I, really think there's more, to, uh, there's two big dimensions to this. I'm going to let Matt cover one, um, but I'm going to beat him to the punch on the first one. Um, and I, I love that um, smelling the aroma is coming into this um, on a couple of levels. Number one, this word for aroma Um, is closely related. It has the exact same uh, consonant progression. Uh, uh, I mean, this word for smell has the exact same uh, uh, consonant progression as the word for spirit. So it's interesting. In in the opening chapters of Genesis, God creates things, right? He speaks them into existence. Um, But in Genesis 2, it really zooms in that God does what to the things that he makes. He breathes into them the what. The breath, breath of, of life. life the breath of life yeah, and this is that same root at work here. so now God, in other words, God creates life, breathes into it the breath of life following on this scene of massive death, they are giving an offering of life to God and God is smelling it in its to me it's it's capturing the recognition and that God sees that they recognize that life comes from him. Does that make sense? Mm.
2: yeah they're returning um, back to him what God has given them. That's it. And al- um, also that the fact that these are clean animals, that this is a, we're going to find out in a few minutes or, or if we were reading along we'd find out in a few minutes, but later in chapter 9 that the clean animals are going to be what Noah is going to be allowed to eat. These are this is Noah's stock. This is like Abel offering some of his firstborn. Yeah, this is this is that's and and
1: that's a good notice how often in Scripture you have a judgment scene um, followed by an offering scene like it's right after things happen in the garden that Cain and Abel offer sacrifice, right? Uh, It's right after the flood that Noah builds an altar and and it'll be right after Babel. You will hear not once and twice, I think, in Genesis 12 about Abraham built building an altar and offering sacrifice. That that'll be that's there's a pattern there to pick up on. Um, but there, there's another thing about this um, in terms of God's smelling um, that uh, really stands out to me, and that's uh, comparing um, God's wrath with God's worship. Um, one of the phrases that's used to describe God, uh, it's often translated as God's patience or God being long-suffering or slow to anger. Y'all have seen that?
2: Yeah, uh, literally. Oh, yeah, literally. You talked about this probably about a dozen episodes back or something. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mentioned it. Blew it my once. mind
1: then. Uh, I, I just never count on people listening to what I say. Thank you, though, Matt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, but the, the fact that God is long of nostrils—that God breathes in a whole lot of allergens or pollutants before he breathes anything out. In fact, sometimes when it says God is plaguing, it says that the wrath of the Lord is blowing. It's sneezing imagery. Um, mm. I, I do love the way that this is the other side of that coin. When God is offered reverential, heartfelt worship, uh, not so much just what's on the altar, but the heart of the one who's putting it there, um, it, it doesn't come to him as an allergen, something that disrupts his breathing. It, it comes to him as a fragrant aroma. Does that imagery connect
0: Mm. Um. Yeah, I, I see the connection there because normally when he's breathing in, long, he's being long of nostril. It's because he's being patient and putting up with the shenanigans of man. But now he's breathing in a pleasing sacrifice, so it's like a,
1: well, and then, and this it, is it, it's very different. This is probably a poor connection, but sometimes like when you get frustrated, you just take that deep breath so that you don't act out of your frustration right in the moment, and and you just you know sometimes I'll do the frustrated sigh the. but what's the opposite? Someone slaps you, you're in a, you're in a desirable context. Someone slack slaps a steak in front of you and man, you just want to take in the smell as much as you can. And it's a deep breath, but it's a deep breath of a very different kind. And I I just think that Mm. the relationship of those two images, that, that might be a poor way of connecting it, but the relationship of those two images is significant to me.
0: Next time I'm asked to To pray corporately, I'm going to say, Lord, help me to be long of nostril and just see how that goes over. (laughs)
2: Well, something that sticks out here is how it connects to the latter part of 21 too, is that neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I've done. This is a pattern that God is going to observe an act of worship and then make a promise. Like for instance he does this to David. I think of the dedication of the the temple. I think also of Solomon when he asks for wis asks for wisdom and God is so pleased that he makes a promise to Solomon and he he blesses Solomon. Like there is a pattern of God pouring out his favor and making promises It almost in response, even though I don't like using that language that God is responding to man, but for lack of a better way to say it, uh, it's almost in response to worship, God pours out his blessing and favor. So I think we're going to see this again and again. Yeah. But, Matt, there's another
1: dimension uh, that we were discussing um, that Kidner discusses about this,
2: uh, about... Oh, uh, the polemic. That's it. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked a lot about polemic that, for instance, last episode we talked about, remember that the people that this is being written to are living the Exodus while they are reading, or more likely hearing, because it's oral culture, um, hearing the story about Genesis. So they're sitting around at the campfire at night, and mom and dad and grandpa and grandma are telling the stories about Genesis to the children uh, while They're sitting in the wilderness living the exodus or while they're going, you know, forward later in the conquest, depending on, you know, how you believe Deuteronomy was compiled or even much later than that. It's it's just beyond beside the point they were living the exodus while they were reading Genesis, but they were living in an ancient context of being surrounded by peoples that have experienced the same stuff but are explaining it through their worldview and their deities. And Babylon talks about this same flood and it talks about it differently. And what's interesting is that the story, according to Kinder, the story of the ancient flood in the Babylonian narrative is that the reason the gods stopped the floodwaters is because the gods get hungry. And if you remember way back in the reaches of your mind to the early chapters of Genesis, when we talked about why the gods created man in the first place, according somebody's to Somebody's got to grow the food. Somebody's got to grow the food and feed us. So this is casting shade on those other things here. There, there is polemic here, according to Kidner, and I think he's right on, that, hey, God is not hungry here. And God also is not demanding a sacrifice. Noah does this volitionally, and and God is pleased with it. But also, tucked in that whole thing is really what we wanted to be our main focus for today. If you look at verse 21, I'm going to read that again. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. Now that phrase okay, right there—the intention okay. of man's heart is evil from his youth. Does that does that ring a bell, Gandalf?
0: It does, and that was that was my second question. Uh, oh. It turned out that the that the um, the offering had a lot more than what I thought. Gotcha. <laughs> it was a lot more to it than I thought. But my I'm glad we picked up on that because that my second question was this seems to be exactly what he said pre flood as his reason for destroying the earth. And now he's saying this is the reason that I will never again destroy the earth. In other mm. words, did the, did the flood fail to accomplish what God said it would accomplish? Is that what you're asking? It, 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 that's what it sounds like. It sounds like God's almost moving the goalpost. He's like, okay, well, <laughs> are, so, now I'm not going to do it. because. So, of that are well, you talking well, about I, Genesis 6-5?
2: Yeah, I think he is, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> are you talking about Genesis 6-5 at that, yes. on the outset of the flood, it says the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's the verse you're talking about.
0: Correct, because it says here, the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth, but now he's talking about this is a reason that I will never again curse the ground.
2: Yes, okay. So it's kind of like that moment at the, one of the, the we were talking off of our recording and just our, our chat session a few weeks back about uh, movie trilogies. The ones that some of the best ones ever. One of my favorites is the Back to the Future trilogy, and I, I love part one.
0: Da, da, uh, da, da, really, da, da, da.
2: <laughs> that's right. Um, you should put like the little chime recording at the beginning uh, of the movie. Gandalf, right, right here in the background when you edit. But all right. But anyway, um, at the end of part two, I, I thought part two and part one were absolutely golden. Part three. Uh, it was, I'm glad I saw it, but it was nowhere near the the quality of the first two. But at the end of part two, if you're familiar with the story, part one is Marty goes back in time to solve a problem, to, to save Doc's life. But, but now um, it was actually an accident that he goes back in time. But while he's back there, he s- solves a problem. And then he gets sent back to the future, to where he's from. But in part two, he – he goes back to solve another problem and then at the end of that movie he you experience the ending of the first one where the first time marty goes back in the future is sent back to the future and then now the new Marty that's back from the future comes back. And I think he says something along the lines when the doc is standing there in the moment of triumph because he sent Marty back to the future. And then Marty comes running up to him and say, says, doc, doc. And he's like, oh, great, Scott, why are you here? He's like, no, 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 I'm back. I'm back from the future. So it's that that moment where you see in the in the narrative when it's like, OK the main thing that we tried to accomplish clearly didn't get accomplished at all. And I think that's, that's the feeling of this is, so does that illustration, does that illustration kind of fit where we are? Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: I, I think so. But I, I think it's because as we've talked about so much, I think we misread some of, uh, we, uh, we misread so much about this story. We, we've talked about that. Um, again, we read this as the angry God who wants to wipe everything out. Um, and so, hey, people are bad, God is mad, so God wants to kill everyone. But is that the language of the story, either after it or even before it? Uh, Gandalf, you said this reminds us a lot of Genesis 6-5, but pay attention to a couple of the differences in the language. Like, what, what's some language you see in Genesis 6-5 that you don't see uh, in Genesis eight twenty one?
0: uh I I see the omission of the word only only evil
2: okay or yeah only or for instance every intention of the thoughts of his heart
0: yeah in fact you have that Hebrew only word evil
2: yeah,
1: yeah so uh only rack uh, and the other one that st- stands out to me you mentioned every it's the Hebrew word coal uh in fact that translation every intention is Kol, all of his intentions of the thoughts of his heart were was evil. And con- it says continually in the Hebrew, it says kol hayam, all the day long. Um, so mm. all the intentions, all the day. It's, I think Genesis 8 is capturing uh, the extensiveness of the problem of sin. Every human in- in born into this world is born with that inclination. Uh, I think Genesis mm. 6, 5 is capturing how intensive the problem of sin was. Uh, it's not just that every person had it, it's just that every
2: intention of every person. Does that, is it, does that difference make sense? It does. And I th- also think that there's a checkoff gun moment here, because there is going to be a theme of purging the land and allowing mm-hmm. the land to have rest, because it's been contaminated by wickedness, that is going to be carried through the Old Testament. Even though we're talking about the whole world here, there, there, this is a theme. Like, for instance, like I think at the end of, of Chronicles, when Israel is in exile and the chronicler is saying, listen, hey, the land received its rest during those times. It, during the 70 year exile, the land sat there and it sat in rest. It, it was the land was healing. The Babylonians came in like a flood and then carried the Israelites off to exile and now the land was given its chance given a chance to heal. I, I think that there, there this is a theme that we're going to see, and that the purpose here was not to Nathan, I heard you say the other day, it was addressing the saturation level of sin, not the inclination of man's heart to sin. that That mm. is something that's going to point forward to Jesus that really here God's dealing with the extent of sinfulness on the earth. He is not yet dealing with the existence of sin on yeah, the earth. I think that's because the difference. Because in order to deal with the existence of sin at this point in the story, and, and now I'm looking through New Testament glasses here, but if God is going to deal with the existence of sin, he needs to kill Noah and all of his family.
1: And I, and I think, not to punt ahead too much to next week's episode, I think this is why the covenant concept will be so, so big in Scripture. Again, we've, so far we've seen covenant one time in Genesis 6. It's the first time it occurs in Scripture explicitly. When you get to Genesis 9, it occurs seven times in
2: one chapter, and that chapter is right on the other side of this story. Um, and hey, so another thing that the Old Testament does, and I, I'm no Hebrew scholar, but you can see this even in the English Bible, is that when you see repeated phrases those are there for a reason to take you back somewhere. Like for instance, these things are worded in this way so that you think about Genesis 6-5, so that you think about, oh, well, how are these things different? And then therefore, when you see the differences between Genesis 6-5 and Genesis 8-21, you have a better understanding of what the flood was set out to do. It was not set out to fix the problem of sin. It was rather... Uh, set up to purge the extent, purge sinfulness in order that God's promise of redemption might be carried
0: forward. Uh, I'm I'm glad that's the option he went with, because if you wanted a permanent solution, you're right. Just kill Noah and his family. That's how you solve. Which, just like back to the future, really the ultimate problem that they encounter is that the DeLorean exists, right? The solution (laughs) is get rid of it.
2: Yes. Yeah, but then they replace
0: it with that Time
2: traveling train, so <laughs> the timeline. <don't. laughs> but see, the 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 solution to the story is something that the story of Back to the Future is not willing to do. Is that in order to kill the DeLorean, you have to kill Doc Brown, or dot Doc Brown has to kill himself, and that is something that the music will the, that the movie will not entertain, but the Bible does. It is the the creator of all of these things is the one who lays down his life in in sacrificial thing. and again. Uh, exactly to that
1: point. L- let's read Genesis six and uh, and Genesis eight in light of Genesis three. If if God's solution was wiping out the created order, the Bible could be a lot shorter, right? Right. Uh, he could he could have wiped everything out at Genesis three. But God in His great God is always just in His judgments, uh, and and mm. you see God's judgments in Scripture, uh, and that. Uh, But God, God finds this graceful window that not only resolves the scenario, but also moves the story forward ultimately to, like you said,
2: God laying down his life for a sinful, rebellious creation. So the first three years of my college experience uh, at Mississippi College, I was an art major, graphic design, but overwhelmingly took classical art studies, um, painting, drawing, um, basic design, Uh, other art classes. Absolutely loved that time and season of my life and still love art to this day. So my whole concept and understanding of art when I went to art school, so to speak, was I could only grasp realistic art. If the art did not look like something that I could recognize, I just didn't think it was art. I had no appreciation for abstract art at all. I just thought it was just mess thrown on a paper. And However, when I began taking design and realizing, oh, there is an even, there is an order to the abstract, and I have such a greater appreciation to abstract art today, uh, now that I've taken these design classes than I did way back when, when all I could imagine is art is something that just looked like a photograph. And I feel like When we look at the story and God's story and this story and Noah and stuff like that, sometimes we just see an abstract mess of what in the world is going on. But the deeper you dive into understanding art, to understanding, the more that you take in, you begin to see patterns and it's becoming something rather special and beautiful. And what looks like a mess can become a masterpiece There's a reason that abstract art sells for tens and tens of thousands of dollars, some more than that. Cue the
1: Back to the Future theme song. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, But anyway, Matt, this is such that's a beautiful point. This is such an unserious note for us to end on. But like I think of our respective journeys, and while you were taking all of your art classes, um, I I, I was immersing myself in languages. You know, taking Greek, Hebrew, German, French stuff like this at MC. And so like I I think of like the practical outworking of those skill sets now and like you do all these (laughs) wonderful drawings and, and paintings and things like that for people and like the only practical outlet for me is like at a fall festival I set up a scribes booth. And I write people's name in another language.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it says right, well, something neither. that you can be the guy on the podcast that we can say, Nathan, what does this mean? And then you can tell us in like ten different languages. That's not
0: true. Well, it's it's funny. Earlier, Matt was saying, "Well, I'm no Hebrew scholar," and I was thinking, "Man, where are we going to find one of those?" Uh,
2: well, we, well, we do have one. <laughs> no, my, yeah, my, my dad's like, the or at least scholar. the son of one. <laughs> <laughs> What's it, well, what is it? What uh, it uh, says,
1: "Lo ani vi lo ben ani, not a prophet
0: of mine, nor the son of a prophet."
2: <laughs> that's funny
0: well well uh to, we'll end on we'll end on this uh, illustration nathan you talked about how it, you know if god was just if his if his goal was just get rid of sin as quickly as possible the bible would be really short and it reminds me of the video game call of duty for modern warfare mm, been a while. the twist the twist in that game is that like the main army commander that you take orders from turns out to be a bad guy and he's at the very beginning of the game watching you train as you learn how to play the game and there's an easter egg where you can just turn around the moment you gain control of your character and shoot him and the credits will just roll I because if you know already that. know yeah so in the remaster so yeah that god could have just could have just done that it would have been super <laughs> so short. to close this uh, in, in short while matt
1: was studying Art and I was studying language. Gandalf was having a ton more fun playing video games.
0: (laughs) I was was playing Call of Duty, and just like Call of Duty, we will be back next week with another sequel to this (laughs) podcast. We will never stop. There it is. Call of Duty, uh,
2: uh, pre-diluvian warfare.
0: (laughs) 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 Now it's post-diluvian warfare. Uh, Thank thank you for listening, Um, and we will be back next week. You guys have a great one. See you later. Shalom.
1: All right. I think that'll work.